Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Afyomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We're now beginning the fifth and final parak of Masechet Yom Tov, commonly known as Masechet Beit Sarah, and Daf Lamed Hey Amud Bet. And the first Mishnah opens with a word, which becomes the title of the parak, Mishilin, uh, which we'll find right away in the Gemara. There are five different versions of this first word. And Mishilin here means, seems to mean to throw down. Perot, Derech Arubah B'Yom Tov V'Loh Shabbat. If you have fruit that's on the roof drying out, and then you want to get it into the house, you can throw it through the skylight on Yom Tov B'Nat Shabbat. You can cover up fruit with kelim, with clothes, for, for instance, if it's raining and, or it's leaking and the water is going to uh, mess up the fruit. And the same is true about flasks of wine or oil. You're allowed to put a kli underneath a leak to collect the water on Shabbat. Okay, itma. Rav Yudav Rav Natan, Chad Tani Mishilin, Chad Tani Mashchilin. As I mentioned, there are different versions of the first word. And here we have Rav Yudav Rav Natan, in one of their Batei Midrash, it was taught as Mashchilin. So, Amar Zutra, Man Tani Mishilin, Lo Mishtabish, Man Tani Mashchilin, Lo Mishtabish. Neither version is inherently wrong. Man Tani Mishilin, Lo Mishtabish, Tertiv Ki Yishal Zetecha. This is the only pasuk that's quoted in our entire parak. It is in the uh, curse in uh, in Sefer Dvarim <coughs> that the olives will fall off the trees. So the, the, the word nashal uh, is a word for something falling down, so therefore mishilin is an appropriate word. Why did haksul? The Mishnah in Bechorot talks about different mumim and calls one of them a shchol. What's that? Shchol, shenishmetai recho. If the thigh came out of the animal... Uh, then uh, was uh, was displaced. Then it is a balmum, and the point is that it also it fell down. So lehashchil would also be a, an appropriate word to use. Ksul Parenthetically, a ksul is where one of the thighs is higher than the other. Also a mum. Here are three other versions of the first word: mishirin, mashirin, and manshirin, and of course all of them are going to be different ways of saying falling off or falling down. He should not use earth, earthen uh, material to, uh, to wash his, head, her hair, his hair, to shampoo his hair. It pulls hair out. And so you see that, <clears throat> that the same word that we have in our Mishnah, but with the substitution of Resh for Lamed, which is a Otiot uh, Lamnar, is a common switch, is also a valid way of saying to come out or to fall out. Mm-hmm. A shchur is a kind of tool, this is in Masachet Kelim, even though they are separated, so this is something that causes things to fall down, it's a kind of a razor, uh, and if your clothes fell into the water, you could still walk it with them and not be worried about schita. That which falls out of the, your hand while you're harvesting, that's leket. So all five of them are valid ways of saying it. And so the five different versions that were extant were all uh, confirmed and validated. All right, not We stick to our version, Mishilin. Now, our Mishnah says that you could put uh, throw fruit down. How much? 
Rabbi Zeir Amirasi, and as I pointed out in the opening note, the main, one of the main foci of our, of our, our Perek is the limitations on extra work involved in food preparation. So how much fruit can you throw down? This may go all the way back to Rabbi Yochanan. Just like the Mishnah in Shabbat, you can move up to four or five baskets of straw or of grain to make room for guests to sit down or to make a place for the Beit Midrash to come and sit. Um, <coughs> so that's the same amount. Maybe you can't infer from there. There, we're justifying moving up to four and five baskets, not because we're going to use them for food, but because we need the spot for people to learn, and we don't want to cause bitul beit midrash. Perhaps in the case of Yom Tov, where nobody's going to be sitting on the roof anyway, so we're not making more room for them, there is not, not that justification, so perhaps it's far less. Maybe they allow four or five baskets for a different reason, which because it's Shabbat, it's so severe, people will not mistreat it. We've seen this uh, thinking going back to the beginning of Masachet. Yom Tov the kill. Yom Tov is lighter. We cook, we carry. Maybe people will mistreat Yom Tov. Maybe we don't allow them more than just one fruit at a time, perhaps. You could argue the opposite direction. In the case of the uh, the storehouse where you're moving things around, there's no loss of money. Here you've got fruit that's going to go bad if you leave it out. Maybe we should allow more than the four or five. All right? Now, in the Shabbat, in that same Mishnah, we said that you can move four or five baskets. You can't empty out the storehouse. What does that mean? That's how Shmuel interprets it. You can't clear it out. Because you may end up filling in holes, and that's a told of Choresh. So, Hachamai, what about here? Can you empty off the entire roof? Maybe here, where Yom Tov is lighter, you could take everything off the roof. Odilma, do the opposite. In the case of Shabbat, where there's going to be we still say you can't empty out the entire thing. We don't have that consideration here. Local certainly we won't allow you to take everything off the roof. And by the way, Rav Nachman said that you can only lower them through, from the same roof. You can't take them from one roof to another. Even if the two roofs are even, and there's no question of raising or lowering, you still can't transfer them from one roof to another. It's too much tirchat. Now, how does that play out with Shabbat? In other words, if we're creating a conduit of information from the Mishnah in Shabbat to Mefanin to our halacha, what about in the opposite direction? Do the limitations on fruit then affect there? Maybe we didn't allow roof to roof here because Yom Tov is too lenient and people will degrade it. But Yom Shabbat is more severe and nobody's going to degrade it, so it's okay. Odela, perhaps, Mahacha de Ikaf said Parot. Perot. Here, you're going to lose Perot. You still can't move them from roof to roof. They're going to go bad, and nonetheless, we don't allow it. Hatam de Ikaf said Perot Lokol Shekain. There, in Shabbat, you're not losing the Perot, you're just losing the opportunity to use the space. Certainly, we won't allow roof to roof. Hachatan, Yolo Yishal, Zalim Chavol, Chalonot. Vlo Yedim Derech Sulamot. 
In the case of Yom Tov, we said you can only lower them through the skylight, but you can't do them through windows, through with a rope, or through ladders. What about there? Maybe we only didn't allow these other methods because there's no consideration of Bitul Beit HaMidrash. Maybe with Shabbat, with that added consideration of Bitul Beit HaMidrash, we'll allow them. Amart Lo. Here, where you're going to lose the Peirot, we still don't allow these alternative methods. In Shabbat, where there is no such consideration, how much more so we won't allow them? Teku, and the Teku is on all of it. Meaning we really have not gotten an answer on the application of our halacha to the Shabbat case, uh, and vice versa, because in the Shabbat case we're talking about a storehouse, here we're talking about lowering them from the roof. The question is how much we could apply the, the numbered considerations uh, from one to the other, and including the limitations of method. And we don't. Umachasin uh, et The next uh, line in the Mishnah said that you can cover up perot to protect them from a leak. Not just perot, you can even protect a row of bricks that's getting rained on or flood, dripped on. Yitzchak disagrees with Ula and says it can only be fruit that you may eat. That's Yitzchak to, to his own position, which we saw in Shabbat. You're only allowed to carry a kli for the purposes of another thing that can be carried on Shabbat. And since bricks are off-limits, you also can't carry a kli to, protect, to cover bricks. All right, let's test Rabbi Yitzchak versus Ula. Our Mishnah says you can cover up perot with kelim. Perot, you have to leave any It seems to be only perot. one for Rabbi Yitzchak. The answer Ula could give is, Maybe even bricks could be covered. But since our Mishnah started off by talking about perot, so parallel construction, so they mentioned perot also as the example in the second half. Tanan. Further in our Mishnah, so we allow you to cover up flasks of oil or wine. What's what we talking about? So Yitzchak could answer, it could be wine or oil that's still tevel and cannot be used on Shabbat, you can still cover it. It makes sense why. If you think these are flasks of permissible for use on that day, uh, wine or oil, that's already the peyrot that I mentioned. Uh, that's not so clear, because we still needed to mention them. Perhaps they were only concerned about a great loss and not a small loss, because how much of these flasks can they hurt in any case? So Kamash Milan, you could also cover them, which means that even if they're proper, usable wine and oil, we still wouldn't have known it from the first clause, and we had to mention it. So we still have not determined whether our Mishnah supports Ula or Rabbi Yitzchak. Tani, Tani, the end of our Mishnah said you could put a kli underneath a leak. So, so Rabbi Yitzchak would then answer that that is for a leak where the water is fairly clear and you could at least give it to the animals. It's not totally out of bounds. Toshma, porsin Alright, here we go. You're allowed to uh, put a mat on top of bricks on Shabbat. Uh, so it sounds like uh, one for Ula that you can use a kli to cover something up that itself may not be used on Shabbat. So if I could answer the Aitur Mibinyana, this is perhaps bricks that are left over from building, the Chazi Lemizgalayu, you could sit on them. So they use it. You could put a mat on top of rocks on Shabbat. So that's Mavanim Kurzalot. Those are the special special rocks that they would use in the Beit say 
Techazin of Etakisa, and you're allowed to move them on Shabbat for that purpose. Toshma, porcine machatzelet al gabay kaveret devorim Shabbat. You're allowed to take a mat and cover up a beehive, or really a honeycomb, on Shabbat. What that sounds like is in the summer to protect it from the sun, and in the winter protect it from the rain. As long as you don't intend to trap the bees. We'll have to see what it's all about. So say, okay, that's a case where there is honey there, and therefore it's usable. And that's where Yitzchuk would defend it. But now this discussion is taking place in Babel, and they say, that only works in the summer. But you said in the winter you could do it. There's no uh, honey in the winter. So They would keep two honeycombs around um, as sort of the starter for the bees in the winter. But they're off limits. And if you intended before Shabbat, you may actually take honey from there. They're not asur. But if you didn't intend that, then it's asur. So so what the Brita said, as long as you don't intend to trap the bees, they should have added another qualifier. That's only if you had in mind the honey in those two special starter combs. But if you didn't have that in mind, then it's Asur. So the answer is Hachi Kamar. So what the Brita means is, even though you had it in mind, you still cannot intend to trap. Now, Bamayu Kimta. Who are we following in this Brita? Who is the author? Must be Rabbi Yehuda, who has the issue of Moktza, and that's why we're bringing this as a proof of what is considered Moktza. But How could it be that you can um, cover the thing up as long as you don't intend to trap? It sounds like Rabbi Shimon says, Could it be Rabbi Shimon? One of the most famous statements together agrees that if it's a psikreshe, which means it's in it's inevitable result of your action is the uh, result of a malacha, then uh, it's still a sur, whatever your intent is, and there's no way you can not trap these bees if you cover up the bee, the, the honeycomb. So the olam One way of looking at it is the entire thing is Rabbi Yehuda. There's windows in the honeycomb. In the hive, so don't read the brayta saying as long as you don't intend to trap, as long as you don't put it in a way that's a trap, uh, because there are other windows where the bees could get out of, and therefore you're not making a trap at all as long as you don't do it in that way. So pshita, it should be obvious that it's okay. I might have thought you could even make it a trap because since bees are not typically trapped. Maybe there's no deen of tzedah in reference to bees. Kamash Malan, that there is, and therefore you can't make it a trap. You said, look back at the Brayta. It didn't say winter and summer. It said, It means when it's sunny, to protect it from the sun, and when it's raining, to protect it from the rain. We're talking about spring and fall, when there is honey. Sometimes it's sunny, sometimes it's raining, and there's always honey, which means there is no issue of muktzah here, and therefore that's how we would defend this on, uh, to support Rabbi Yitzchak, that you're allowed to cover it because there's honey available, and therefore it's the tzorach tavar nital. Okay, the end of the Mishnah says, nonin kli tachat adelaf b'shabbat, you're allowed to put a kli underneath a leak on Shabbat. Tana, imnit malea kli, shofech v'shonev v'enonimna. Let's say that your pot gets filled up, 
you can empty it, you can pour it out and, uh, and let it fill up again and continue doing that. And it's not muksa. So then we have a story that Abai had a mill and there was a leak into the mill room and it was on Shabbat. He came to, to Rabbah. Bring your bed into there. And then the Lahave Kigraf shall re'eat. Then you basically turn this into the same thing as a chamber pot. And a chamber pot you're allowed to take out of your room because it's disgusting. So he said, here's the legal fiction you're going to use. You're going to turn the, your mill room into your bedroom. And then this, uh, this, the, the, the uh, pot that's filled, the mill that's filling up with water, you can empty out as a chamber pot. Yatavai Vakakash Lehabai, who sat there, instead of doing what Rabbi told him, he was bothered. You allow the to create a graf meaning to redefine something as a chamber pot. While he was thinking about it, the house caved in from the leak. I deserve that because I didn't do what my Rebbe told me. Instead, I sat and thought about it, and that's why this happened. As a chamber pot or a bedpan, as it were, you're allowed to take them out. They're not muktzeh. You're allowed to take them out to the ashpa. When you bring it back, you can put water in it and bring it back. They assumed that what Shmuel meant was only in the chamber pot itself. You could use the cleat, but to, to take the matter out itself is muktzeh. That's not true. They found a uh, rat in uh, in Ravashi's. Uh, rooms um, in his uh, in his uh, spices and Amarlo uh, Ravashi Ravashi told him knock the bitsutzita vafkua pick to pick it up by the tail and take it out which means even the foul matter itself can be taken out and doesn't have to be in a cleat okay we'll pick it up at this next mishnah daflamet vav amud bed as we continue our study of the final parak of Masachet Yom Tov and in the meantime we should have a wonderful day.